0: Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast, the podcast for all things operations. Hello, Operate Intelligently listeners. This is Joshua Peach, and I am really happy to be here on Earth Day with a really special guest and dude client, the Cincinnati Zoo. Tony James is joining us. Uh, First, welcome, Tony, to the Operate Intelligently podcast. Thanks for having me, Josh. Our pleasure, and you know, one of the things that uh, I've noticed over the last six weeks, I can tell you that I never went to a virtual cam or to a YouTube channel of a zoo, and I think every single day with my two and 13-year-old, we are visiting the Cincinnati Zoo virtually. If it's, not, uh, if it's not my friend Fiona the hippopotamus, it's the penguin parade, or it might be uh, Rico the porcupine, Uh, There's Fiona and her her birthday cake, um, or or Rico the porcupine eating peanut butter from a spoon. Um, You guys are still business as usual, minus the business part, because you've got nobody there. Um, Walk me through what, tell tell us about the Cincinnati Zoo, first of all, and, and also a little bit about you and how you got there and how long you've been there. And then we'll dig right into kind of what you've been dealing with for the last six plus weeks.
1: Yeah. So the, uh, since a zoo and botanical garden is a, uh, pretty small urban zoo. We're about 70 acres total. Um, we do about 1.7 million visitors on the typical year. Um, obviously this year that's numbers going to change or, or maybe not. Time will tell. Um, you know, we have been around, um, we're almost at 150 years. Um, one of the oldest zoos in North America. Um, I have had the privilege of being here for almost 20 years. Um, started right out of college in our horticulture department. Um, made my way up through the ranks and am now the director of facilities, managing our um, capital projects and our maintenance team.
0: Very cool. And uh, 20 years. Wow, that's a that's a, that's a long run in the same place. You don't see that a lot anymore. So glad they glad they got a good one over there. Um, <laughs> so so you've been there for twenty years you've been through um, well i mean you, you were probably came in right around y two k nine eleven you were there for you were there for yep. SARS bird flu swine flu uh the recession yeah. y- you know countless things that we've been talking about. How does this pandemic measure up to all of the other things in your twenty year career no comparison man this yep.
1: this is by far one of the most impactful events I've ever seen happen. Um, in the 20 years I've been here, I've never seen our zoo shut down and we shut down uh, mid-March um, and we're still shut down. It's, uh, it's crazy, it's, um, it's taken a big toll on our zoo, um, but what I also think it has done is brought our zoo together, um, our employees, and it, it's made you realize what actually makes your zoo tick and who who you actually need to depend on, and who you need to value, and and it all comes back to your employees, right? Um, It's been a struggle for me because of the whole essential or Mm -hmm. non-essential, and in my role, there's there's about four guys at my tier for our facilities team um, in different roles, project management, stuff like that. You started to wonder if you were actually essential um, Mm -hmm. and needed to be here, and you come to find out that probably can do what you need to do from home. Um, Hmm. but that was a hard spot to be put in because the guys and gals that work for me, um, asking them to be here and asking them to be essential and not knowing, right. The first couple of days, the first couple of weeks, like, is everybody at the zoo going to have COVID-19 or is nobody at the zoo going to have COVID-19 not knowing it, it, it was a tough spot to be in. Um, and it really made me appreciate, um, what our team does for the zoo and what, what they do to, to put people like me in roles that I'm at um, without a great team underneath us that is essential. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it, it wouldn't be as easy without them.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the, the uh, you know, we, we talk about the frontline folks that are, that are absolute heroes right now. Um, and you're seeing all these things happen out with parades of, of fire trucks and police cars we just had at the hospital here. Um, but part of that part of that frontline team are those uh, M and O and custodial staffs that are making sure that everything's re-sanitized, deep clean, that, that all equipment's running properly for proper airflow and everything else. Um, and you guys have an added layer of complexity uh, because you don't have just humans; you have animals that have all different, um, diverse living environments that have to be taken care of and and, and treated. I mean you've got a manatee uh, area. I'm not, sh- I'm not showing my fiance that we actually swam with <laughs> to Mexico and we adopted nice. one. We adopted one named flash. So we're a, a manatee loving house. So, uh, but yeah. uh, I mean, you guys have a, a little bit of everything. Um, you know, how is, how was the pandemic? How was the, you know, you guys had a mountain of work before all this, right? Just keeping all that stuff right. in order. How, how was the, um, how was kind of the, 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 remodeling of everything that you do, like what you said, you know, your, your team's out there trying to keep everybody safe, making sure nobody gets COVID. You know, how, how did you right. guys, what happened in that like first week, two weeks, how yep. did you transition? Yep.
1: So in our, just to give you a little insight, in our facilities department, that includes capital construction. So our major projects, um, maintenance, security and safety, um, horticulture and then housekeeping. Um, and so those first couple days, hours, weeks, I mean, there for a while it was almost changing by the hour here in Cincinnati, um, and adjusting to that, it, it being super fluid and just trying to get the staff to be super fluid. But at the same time, you know, there, there were a bunch of questions from staff. Am I going to keep my job? Am I going to lose my job? You know, Uh, Questions like that, emotions like that, trying to deal with that, plus come up with a plan. Um, What we did here at the zoo, which I I think was a good plan, um, is we split our teams up into multiple teams at the time um, to try and keep a widespread infection rate. Um, If we, so like in our maintenance staff, for instance, we have about 30 folks. We split them up into two groups, two teams of 15 basically. Um, and they were rotating shifts. Um, so they would work four tens one week and three tens the next week would be team a team B would do the exact opposite. Um, just so we didn't have a widespread pandemic breakout. Um, then other things we did, you know, horticulture was, is a big part for us. Um, the grass doesn't stop growing. The the flowers don't stop growing. April is one of our biggest horticulture months for our team here at the zoo. Um, it's tunes and blooms every Thursday, which is a free concert here at the zoo. So it's a really showy time that draws a ton of crowd, um, but also produces a lot of work. And so we were not getting the crowd, but we were still having the work. So we took folks from our security team. We took folks from our housekeeping team, um, because obviously without crowds, our housekeeping team and our security workload kind of drop down a little bit because they're not cleaning bathrooms every day. They're not having to clean the buildings every day because the 10,000 people a day are not in there. Um, so we split them up and they actually jumped onto some of our horticulture jobs or some of our other animal care jobs. Um, and that that's kind of zoo-wide. Um, we have people in our emissions department literally being animal keepers, cleaning up Fiona poop every day right now (laughs) to try and fill in Um, because not only did our department, the facilities department split up, our animal department also did the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just being very fluid. um, We've been lucky enough that at our zoo, we have not had to furlough or lay off any full-time employees. Um, But we are asking them to participate in roles that they probably never would have thought they would participate in where we have people that are typically cleaning and sanitizing our bathrooms and, and picking up garbage a couple times a day, they're now out planting or digging up tulip bulbs and planting annuals or cutting grass and string trimming grass. Yes. Um, so the zoo, and, and that goes back to my point about, it's all about your, your employees, right? Like they're, they're being super fluid, they're doing what they're asked to do, but not only what they're asked to do, what they want to do and and they want to be part of the zoo still Um, and they know that things are changing rapidly um, and being flexible is is highly important. But I think the biggest thing for us was splitting our teams up when Mm -hmm. it first started so that, you know, I, we have, like you mentioned, manatee pools, we have hippo pools, we have um, elephant pools, we have polar bear pools, We have penguin pools. Pools is a big thing for us. And our, we call them our LSS staff, which is our life support systems Mm -hmm. um, staff. We have about seven or eight folks on that team. Um, And if we lost that entire team to this virus for two weeks, our team would struggle to run, to operate those systems. Right. So that was part of the idea of splitting them up was, um, keeping people here that were essential and knew how to run our systems.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's a great idea, but one of the things that you're talking about it that runs through my head is, did you experience any, um, organizational challenges or anything with that new rollout? I mean, was there a ramp up time that was, it took getting used to, was there communication <laughs> changes or were there any yeah, other, did you have any other challenges in that first couple of weeks that were, you know, Yeah,
1: it, it, it was rough at first. Um, because, you know, we, we have guys, the zoo, as I told you, I've been here 20 years. Um, I manage folks that have been here longer than that. Um, mm-hmm. The zoo is a good place to work, and, and that's why we have a lot of tenure here at the zoo. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was a little rough. Um, I was off-site talking to my boss, talking to my two direct reports that kind of run the field day-to-day stuff and trying to come up with different scenarios and different teams and who should be on which team. We even looked into going into a three-day or a three-split team, um, mm-hmm. even into a four-split team. We, we, we ran through a bunch of scenarios, and finally after – I think we shut down the zoo on a Sunday, and we rolled out this split team on a – it was either a Wednesday or a Thursday. I'd have oh. to look to, to be exact, but I think we shut down on the 15th if that was a Sunday, and I think we rolled this out on the 18th. Um, basically, I came in with the staff that we, we were all here. We mm-hmm. met in the morning at 7 a.m., And I said, look, we're, we're in a time we've never seen. We're going to ask things of you that we've never asked. Um, but we're going to be very open and honest with everything. And, and we have been, um, and we rolled it out we sent half our, half our team packing that day, kept the other half and, uh, had some papers, a lot of emails went out. There was a ton of confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was a lot of phone calls, a lot of text message, um, but just open communication um, and making sure our management staff was on the same page, which we were. Um, thanks to cell phones, we could merge calls and I'm probably on at least one to two three-way calls with my, my two day-to-day guys that are running the show. Um, but yeah, it, it, it rolled out quick. Um, we thought it was a good plan. We admitted that we weren't positive if it was, and we, we were asking everybody to be flexible um, and so far, the plan's worked. You know, it, uh, knock on wood, it's worked. <laughs> and yeah. and, and it, it seems to be good. No, no terrible griping about
0: it yet. Yeah. With all that's going on in the world, we've decided to cancel our upcoming conference, Dude University. But we're excited to be introducing our first-ever Virtual Dude University on May 5th and 6th, 2020. Make sure you get on the list for this free two-day mix of online sessions, including product training, best practice sessions, industry connections, and a live client panel. Register for free online today at university.dudesolutions.com. You know, it's interesting um, so I've had uh, a number of guests specifically just on covid and and the idea on it is is a couple fold you know obviously you know for people to to be leveraging you know we're leveraging zoom right now and different technologies right. that we have that were that were really in a lot of cases uncomfortable I couldn't do a fiona ba- uh, background like two oh, weeks ago right. now I'm That's blasting out good. I'm bas- blasting out backgrounds left and right and I don't even have a real green screen yet so um but one of the things is as I'm listening to you and as I've listened to others and as it's it's just a consistent message is there is no set protocol for what you guys are dealing with and what you've had to deal with. Um, are there any best practices or are there any things that you uncover other than the split team thing, which I absolutely love and it's one of the first times that I've, I've heard someone doing it. Um, we work with a number of zoos, but just in general, was there, was there something that you guys... Um, did before this that, that you're like, wow, this is really, this is, this is something. So I'll give an example. I see zoom meetings happening a lot more frequently than six weeks ago. I I, I can see this as being a new normal for a lot of meetings because the big reason why people weren't into it was, was um, being uncomfortable. Uh, Chris Phillips from Mount Vernon, Washington was telling me about how they're doing inspections via Skype and they're having the actual citizen of that building's a house. If it's a water heater install, they're Skyping and showing the camera. They never did that before. Now they're doing that. That, that could be a, a cost savings as well as an efficiency gain. Um, are right. you guys uncovering anything like that or
1: nothing that, that that's ringing out in my head? Um, obviously just like you're saying, these zoom meetings, go to meetings, Skype calls. I couldn't tell you the amount of them I've been on. Honestly, I'm tired of seeing my own face on a <laughs> computer screen. Um, But yeah, I I do agree with you. I think that is going to be somewhat of the new norm, right? Like Mm -hmm. people are not going to want to gather ten people in a room here until probably there's a vaccination. And so getting acquainted to that, um, I still couldn't do a background on my screen if you asked me to right now. From from the the field guys service, uh, field guys and gals service, you know, some some of the protocols we've had to change. We we have a pretty extensive water lab here where we Mm -hmm. do testing of all our water. We've really had to think through how we test the water and how we're interacting, whether it's with animals or other employees, Mm -hmm. um, whether they're animal keepers or just other facilities employees. Um, So I think we'll see some changes in our protocol there Mm -hmm. um, in our testing and water sampling um, side of the business. Um, I'm not sure that we're, as fancy as doing Skype inspections, um, you know most of our guys have the tablets, and we're working with facilities, dude, off of our tablets.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: You know, the the one thing that's that that has been a little tough for us is we've had to limit the amount of staff that we have in animal buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of our preventive maintenance work has somewhat been put on hold. Um, mm-hmm because we don't want our facility staff in those animal buildings, whether it's for the animal health or for the animal keeper health. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of that's been put on hold. We're only doing emergency work if an emergency comes up. Um, but yeah, I, we, we haven't had a ton of ton of things other than meetings like this and yep. some of our water lab protocol change.
0: Yeah. I was talking to uh, one of our solutions consultants, uh, Mike Bremer, who's just a, a bright, bright dude. All of my team is, is, really bright with thinking about you know what what should people be doing and thinking about and we were talking about that it was and it was one of those it was one of those moments where I had like this mental block and he just said you know clients should be looking at you know how do we not just postpone or put off pm work that you would typically do but manage it through it because it's it was done because of covid it wasn't because you didn't have the staff it wasn't because you didn't have the time or the filters, or whatever. It was solely because of safety of, of COVID, so that at least you can capturing and recording. And if something does happen and it's a cost, you can say, "Hey, look, there was a safety issue, health issue that we couldn't couldn't get to." It made all the sense in the world for reporting when all of this stuff is is actually done behind us, so we can get back to whatever our new normal looks like. Um, you know that that poses my my next kind of thought here. Um, we can't, we can't, you know, I'm, I live in Boston, uh, Massachusetts. And so yesterday the governor comes on at noon and he says, Hey, school's closed till September. So 131 yeah. days, 131 days for us before school comes back in. So now we have a known and it's not even a known, right? Because we don't know if come August that this we're hopeful, but we don't, we don't know for certain, but at least we have a, a finish line in mind. Um, what do you, you know, how are you guys looking at that? Like, do you have, any like it's the zoos obviously not going to open tomorrow it's most likely not right. going to it's most likely not going to open for the foreseeable next number i would say of a, a bare minimum number of weeks possibly a month or so if i mean are schools closed right. in ohio for the year yeah
1: so same with us uh governor dewan came on i think it was yesterday might have been the day before and said schools were closed um for the rest of the year and he's going to evaluate what happens in the fall um I'm just like you. I'm at home with two kids and uh, (laughs) my daughter's great. My son is like, I want to go back to school. You're a terrible teacher, dad. Yeah. Which is great. But uh, yeah. So, so right now we're closed down all schools. Um, Here in Ohio, we are also on a lockdown until May 1. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that the governor is talking, he's going to start rolling out a lifted restrictions plan on May 1. Um, Not everything will open back up with like, the flip of a switch, but roll out a phased plan. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's actually saying things like athletic games, um, sports games, concerts. He's not sure when we'll be able to do those things again, large gatherings. What we're doing and how that's affecting us here at the zoo is, is we're digging deep into that right now. Um, And we've been doing it for about the past two weeks and we're looking into a phased rollout, kind of like he's talking about. Um, Mm -hmm do we roll out a plan? And, and like you said, we, we don't know if it's weeks. We're hoping it's only weeks and not months.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, we're not putting a date on there, but we're looking into a phase rollout um, where maybe we just open up and none of our buildings are opened up or some of our buildings. And then maybe we have another phase where we start to open a little more of the park. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're looking at, you know, with ticketing, how, how do we do that? Do, do we do a, Time ticketing, we're not sure how we're going to do all that. Um, But definitely kind of taking the same approach and guidance that our governor's given us Mm -hmm. um, and realizing that it's not just going to be, hey, this Saturday, the zoo's open. Um, It's going to be a multi-stepped approach. And knowing that maybe if we get through two of the phases and there's a new spike of uh, COVID outbreak, we may have to shut back down as much as we don't want to. Um, but knowing that and being ready to do those phases where it does get a little tricky for us, I I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we didn't have to, um, lay off any full-time staff. Mm -hmm. We do rely heavily on seasonal staff. Mm -hmm. And when we shut down, we did have to let all of our seasonal staff go. Um, so ramping up our opening also coincides with hiring seasonal staff. And you don't want to hire them and then have an outbreak and have to lay them off a month later. Like that's just not right to the, to the person. Right. Right. So thinking through that, there's a lot of things and even like thinking through our restaurants, like obviously our restaurant here at the zoo, we would treat the same way any restaurant outside of here would be right. Mm -hmm. We might have a pickup option, but the restaurant may not be open for months. Um, So yeah, we're, we're definitely taking, taking our um, direction, and kind of trying to use the same approach that our governor is. Um, yeah. So May 1, you know, the next couple of weeks, what are we, we're August 22nd. So, yeah, the, the next couple of weeks he comes on, it sounds like just like you guys up there in Boston. He comes on every day at 2 o'clock, yeah. um, gives the new restrictions, any updates. Um, so taking that approach and kind of following his lead. And, uh, again, just like when we shut down it, with our employees, knowing that it was a very, very fluid situation opening back up is going to be the same way um, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: well I mean I was just I just did some some fast fuzzy math um, trying to just put, put into perspective you know how many people uh, might visit the zoo on any given day and if you just take the 1.7 million and divide it by 365 you're at you're about 5,000 and I'm sure there's more than 5,000 on days of of the of the bands and the, the penguin parades and everything else so there's a large, yeah. it's a, that's a large number of people. Um, so that, you know, they have to put Correct. that all into effect. I mean, we have grocery, yeah. we have grocery stores that are, you know, 50 and 75,000 square feet, not 70 acres, but large stores that are yeah. limiting to 15 people in the store at any given point in time. Grocery stores. Right. I mean, it's
1: yeah, and a we're, we're digging heavy into that also trying to, you know, look at our square footage of public space and how do we need to limit? And, and, and I think we will we'll, we'll wind up limiting the amount of folks that are allowed in the zoo every day. Um, mm-hmm. Just like your grocery stores, your, <clears throat> excuse me, your hardware stores, all of that are doing. Um, so yeah, we're, we're digging into that, try, figuring out our square footage, the number of folks we'll let in. Um, you know, for us, you're right. An average day is about 5,000. A busy day for us is about 10,000 people. Wow. Um, but now think about that, that, you know, that's spread out over eight hours. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we open at nine and we close at five, you do 10,000 people in a day. But realistically, it's combined. We don't get a lot right. of late afternoon traffic. We get a lot of early morning traffic um, and people stay. You know, we're also talking about will people's amount of time that they stay here be mm-hmm. longer, their duration here because they've been cooped up for the past month. Yeah. I know me and my family, it, when when May 1st hits, you know, one of the first things we're willing to do is go to a park somewhere. And my kids right. want to play on a playground so bad, right? So typically we'd play for half an hour. Will they convince me to stay there for two hours? Probably won't be a hard convincing, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's uh, you know, I've been, I came home. This is uh, 42 days uh, will be tomorrow. Six weeks uh, will be tomorrow that I've been home. It's the longest stretch yeah. I've ever been home. I typically travel, you know, about 180 days a year. I see a lot of people. And right. um, my, my fiance and our two kids They've left the house, our house, once since March sixteenth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've left the house four or five times, and it's all for curbside pickup stuff. I haven't actually been, actually haven't been. I mean, I'm, I'm very. I consider myself very fortunate, and the and the fact that we can, you know, we we have things delivered, and we have, you know, people that drop things off for us and things, and that we don't go out, and don't have to go out. Um, but you, you, yeah, when this thing goes, I mean, I'll I'll will have been together and in the house for 10 to 12 weeks before we can go someplace. So if, yeah, you can bet you can bet we're gonna wherever we go, it's gonna be a while. I mean, just a restaurant. Like think about yeah. just going to a you know something as simple as going to a restaurant, you're gonna most likely and, and that's something you have to think about. Are they gonna be sitting there eating food longer and 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 actually right. and and hey, you know something that's interesting out of all this? People are figuring out how to enjoy each other's company a little bit better uh, and and actually talk and do and communicate better. So this is, you know, some good good byproducts by that. Um, you know, one of the things that, that uh, really strikes me, Tony, You know, obviously one of the things that we're trying to do with this COVID is obviously um, give people with best practices and talk about, you know, the, the technology side of things. But more importantly than that, and you've shown this in this podcast, is you've educated us, first of all, in the zoo, which I think is fascinating and amazing. And thank you for the work that you do. Um, one of the, thing that, the things that's come out and resonated is a positive mental mindset that it seems that you and your team have. It also seems like there's a very loyal team. You talk about people that have been there longer. You know, what are some of the things that you could, that you see, what are some of the attributes? What are some of the, the, the things that you guys do? What's a best practice? What's a, what's a, what's a Cincinnati zoo inside line, special sauce <laughs> to keep people smiling through all of this working hard and, and what I caught early on, which is a start up company mindset, and you're 150 years old, is that when the going gets tough, everybody picks up and they row the oars together. And it means if you're in accounts payable, you might be, pop, you know, planting tulip bulbs or doing all these things that you're talking about. What, what is it?
1: I think it's, it, it comes down from the top, right? We have a great director in Thane Maynard um, and our COO, Dave Jenneke. Um, and then my boss, Mark Fisher, um, and other folks at our top leadership, they don't just preach the words they act, they actually walk the walk. Right. And they, and they talk the talk. Um, and I know that if I had an issue right now, I could call Thane Maynard, um, and say, Thane, we, uh, man, I'm just struggling. And he would do whatever he needed to do to make it right. Um, and that's the trickle down effect, right? Like I, at my role and my status, I know that there's nobody more important than the people below me. Um, and I really think that they feel that way. Like I, I go to them and I talk to them. I have a crew of 32 folks and I, I'm making sure that I text them every two weeks just mm-hmm. to say, Hey, how you doing? You still holding up? You need anything? And I'll bet you 75% of those responses are holding up. Good. Appreciate the job. If there's anything you need me to do, let me know. Um, And I I really think it's because it starts from the top of an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you can talk all you want, but when your boots on the ground, when you're the guys walking around and you see your boss's boss walking around and picking up paper off the ground, and throwing it into a garbage can, that's just a small example of the way that the zoo is um, and the way that they value their employees. You're you're not going to have an organization have folks be here 20 years, have folks be here 30, 40 years, I know a couple of years ago we celebrated the guy's 50th anniversary of working at the zoo. Oh, wow. You're not going to have folks in an organization like that unless they feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really feel like that that's because it comes from the top. Um, and I know that I speak for every management person here at the zoo. Um, I really value my employees without them. I would, I, I'd, I'd be lost, right? Like if my employees aren't smarter than me at what they do, Mm-hmm. If they're not way better than me at their task, I'm not a good manager. If I'm the smartest guy at every task my team has, that's not good, man. It, yeah. it, starts, from, it starts from the boots on the ground. Mm-hmm. And knowing that those are the best people I got out there and portraying that to them and instilling that confidence in them and giving them the tools that they need to be the best they can be. Mm-hmm. On times like this, that's when they've, they step up and they make you realize what you do every day of the year, valuing your employees, valuing what they do. When you do that every day of the year, when you hit a crisis like this, they're the folks that you count on. And they're the folks that are stepping up here. And they're the folks that are keeping us running. Um, and I, I don't know any other place that I've ever talked to employees that is run like the way we are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really does. I, I think it's because it comes from the top.
0: Wow. Well, that's a that is a, that is one heck of a way to, to to wrap this podcast up. Well said, Tony. And I think that um, you know, kind of a servant leadership mindset where you you know you're 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 working for them is is yeah. a, is one of the ways that I see a lot of a lot of successful teams getting through this, uh, where, where their where te- their team where their team knows that that, that the leader is there um, and they're they're listening and they're doing everything they can. And I appreciate you guys, and the dude appreciates. Everything that you guys are doing day in and day out, and uh, you know please please absolutely stay safe, take care of your team, take care of yourself, take care of those animals because uh I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that with this podcast, maybe I got the inside line, I come out there when I'm all wraps up, and I can feed Rico the porcupine some peanut butter uh, come on down man come on. <laughs> so let's let's wrap this up before we go. I want to make sure that people know. Uh, donations are very much appreciated and needed for all zoos uh, right now. So if you're going on and you're subscribing, you guys got like four or 5 million total subscribers. I was checking you out on all your social media platforms. You put out amazing content. Uh, The videos, the videos of Fiona, like I say, and Rico and the penguins and the manatees and the baby giraffe and all these These are really, really amazing uh, videos, educational. Uh, Our two-year-old Chance absolutely loves them. But uh, one of the things that we want to be doing is making sure that we're supporting because they're not getting the ticket dollars every day. So if you're going on and checking these things out, even a couple bucks, uh, just throw it their way so that they can keep these animals safe. Uh, healthy, the staff, and everybody put together. Uh, one of the things Tony said earlier is that the grass still grows and the flowers still still need to get put, put in. Um, there's still a lot of work that's getting done day in and day out that you don't see. So um, be sure it's CincinnatiZoo.org uh, that you want to go to. Uh, that's CincinnatiZoo.org. And at the top, there's a donate button. And if you just click on the general donation, there's a whole bunch of things, to, 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 a, couple, a bunch of choices, but in the middle. It looks like a sea otter. Uh, It just says donate. Uh, That's where you can make a donation and support this amazing facility of 150 years uh, in business going through this tough time. Uh, Tony, you and your staff, uh, do stay safe. Uh, The dude's beside you. If you need anything, you you know where to call. Uh, I'm glad glad Marissa was able to put this all together, and and I mean it. When this thing's all done, I got cabin fever. I'm coming out. I might might need to bring the family uh, and come see in person, so um absolutely man I, I appreciate the
1: uh opportunity to be on here and i'm honored that marissa would think about me um and again if you make it to ohio cincinnati give me a call i'm sure we can figure out ways for you to feed a porcupine and uh remem- hopefully talk about remembering COVID 19 and not still dealing with it
0: 100 that's let's get this in the rearview mirror All right, my friend. Well, this will wrap it up for an amazing episode. Operate Intelligently on on, uh, Earth Day, learning about the zoo in Cincinnati. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Operate Intelligently podcast produced by Dude Solutions. You can reach us by emailing dspodcast at dudesolutions.com or check us out on the web at dudesolutions.com.